All right, welcome everybody to the 100th episode of the In the House podcast. I have a big cast of characters tonight. We've got special guests coming on in a little bit. But the only way to start off an In the House podcast is with my man, Evan Floyd, kicking it off. Salutations! of the In the House podcast. The official podcast of Scouts' House Supporters Group, which is an official supporters group of Louisville City Football Club. I am not your host, Evan Floyd. I am merely an onlooker as we embark upon version 2.0 of the Scouts' House in the House podcast. I am so pleased to be here this evening uh, to hand this thing off. Andy and I are proud to have uh, been your hosts for the last half years we've had an amazing run an amazing time but uh the time is now and appropriate to hand this off to kenny and to scouse so without further ado to the very young very masculine very virile powerful and uh dare i say sexy Handsome, kenny all for sure thank you very much. Uh, thanks for the handoff but uh all i'm doing is just uh carrying the bags from my man scouse he's the one that is the leader of this clan that got us all going early on that started this SG that got both Evan and Andy involved with uh, Louisville City, got me involved with Louisville City. So uh, that means he needs no further ado. Scouse, you ready to co-host this thing for a bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, we've been uh, talking about this for uh, a while now, and um, I thought that um, who else could uh, fill the boots of uh, Evan Floyd and uh, Andy Frederick, but, uh, you know, me, myself, and uh, the uh, infamous uh, Kenny Allwood. You know, so, um, you know, and it just amazes me that just how far that um, this group has come from um, the very first match at uh, Slugger Field when we were out there at center, right there on the uh, the center line um, at, at midfield, um, watching for our very first game against St. Louis. And, uh, you know, five years on and, I've, you know, we've met so many different uh uh, people and many of them have become our great friends and uh you know evan floyd andy frederick and uh, kenny you know i've just put a few of them and uh you know we just gotta uh keep it going forward and um you never know what friends you're gonna run into next evan there's only one way that i know for you to start a podcast and that's by introducing andy yeah i, I suppose uh, for the very last time i'll say uh uh, I can only think of one person well suited to this position, and uh, that man is coming to you live tonight from a shooting stand inside City Hall in Pawnee, Indiana. Patrick, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Andy. <laughs> Andy, welcome. I asked them to take me to the grave of little Sebastian, and they uh, it's still pretty sensitive. It's a sensitive subject for him. That's a good so, well, you know. Andy, you know, not only do you have you as a guest that's always coming to you live, we've got another one coming to us live from a spot very further south down in Florida. One of the main voices of the USL through ESPN, my buddy, Devin Kerr. Welcome, Devin. Hi, boys. How are we doing? Little clap, right? Little clap, little clap, little clap. Little 100th episode special guest. We kept this one under the... We kept this under the wraps for quite a while. This was started. We started talking about this. What Devin, you and I, I guess uh, me and you and Scouse got together at the USL Championship last year for a few minutes uh, before yeah. the match started. It didn't go the way we wanted, uh, but a lot's changed in the world, and a lot's changed with Blue City style and play. So the floor is yours. Just kind of go for a second. What you got on that? Well, I think you start with this. Twenty twenty. Well, first of all, let's get this out of the way because we have to be very careful. I'm coming from my podcast, Three on the Sides. Are we censored? What's what? What are the, what are the rules here? Do we let it fly. Nah, no, nah, 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 nah. Fly, bro. Okay. Everything okay. you've always wanted to say, actually on air. Go ahead and get it out there, bud. Get it Perfect. Out there. We, we might as well get hack on the bath phone so you can hear this shit too. Uh, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, it's 2020. I think that's something we all have to take into account because the season is just weird. It's whether it's the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, the USL Championship, 
I think we can all agree that we've seen things that we never thought we would, whether it be a 16-game season, you know, no fans, some unfortunate things that have gone out out west. But some things remain the same. Go figure. Louisville City, once again, reign in the east. And I'm not just saying that because I've been preaching it for a long time and people just don't freaking pay attention. Um, yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think the season – in terms of what has always gone on for Louisville, it's the exact same thing we see every single year. It's just in a more finite window. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> whether your fan base likes it or not, your team always kind of doesn't necessarily start fast. They don't start slow. They just don't do what most of the fan base wants, right? And then things get better. That happened under James O'Connor as well. Things get better, and then all of a sudden – you're right back where you were. An undefeated team heading into the playoffs with a boatload of momentum on a really high level that, to be honest, in the East, I maybe maybe could compare two other teams to. In the West, I'll say it's two, maybe three. I mean, right now, though, there's 16 teams in the USL Championship playoffs. There are five or six that are really going to take after this thing, and one of which you guys are going to face in the first round. Um, not surprised, the form that you're all in. I'm not surprised that it's gotten better. The product always gets better. For yeah. me, the surprise is, like, I talked to John Hackworth in probably early to mid-August, maybe even late, and we talked about the midfield combination. This was on a conference call leading into a game, and I said, do you truly feel that Speedy Williams, Corbin Bone, and Paolo Del Piccolo are your best option? And he said, Devin, you know, at this point in time, it's probably the one area I'm not sure about. Pretty sure those guys have answered all those questions now. You know, I mean, it's probably the one area of the field that is the most consistent. Now, mind you, all areas are playing really well, but it's it's been interesting to me to see that relationship develop. It's the new triumvirate, if you will. And, um, yeah, it's it's another year of Lou City and their reign in the USL Championship. I'm sure you guys hope that it continues on in, in what would be three and four years, uh, another final in a row. Go figure, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so, uh, what Devin's saying there, Coach Hackworth did an interview, I think it was with the Courier Journal ago, about a week and a half ago at this point, where uh, he said, you know, it's not like he forgets how to coach at the beginning of the season. It's not like he starts slow because he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, we start slow because the system that he runs is generally a more advanced system than what the competition in the USL is throwing at him week in and week out which means that there's a higher degree of difficulty there. Uh, if you get it right, then you go on 11-game unbeaten streaks and you compete for Eastern Conference championships every year. And when you get it wrong, it looks pretty bad. And you can give yeah. up some goals on counterattacks where you leave guys out to dry. And so at the beginning of the season, until everything really starts to click and to gel, then we give up some bad goals and you can have some goal drought games. And that's what happened to us at the start of this season. Uh, and, uh, but by the time the team figures it out and like Devin just said uh, about the, the midfield that this midfield hadn't played together before. So you had Corbin bone who has to fit in with these. You got power played way farther up the field than he's played in years past for us, where he's generally that six sitting deeper. And now that's speedy. Uh, it's a different midfield look than we've had in years past. And once it started to click, it's been special. Uh, and I, I was just looking at fat mob about the last game against KT. And uh, it had Paolo Del Piccolo as the highest rated player on the field. Uh, I was not a, uh, I'll admit that I was not a sure thing Paolo Del Piccolo believer coming into this year. I thought maybe a step slower, a step behind where he was the year previous. You all remember the eight, 2018 championship against Didier Drogba, where he was just a dominant force in midfield that game. Yep. We didn't see him this year. I feel like he's back to being the captain on, well, just sentimental. And, you know, think about the alternative. Like, would you rather us start slow and build up to what we are now or come in strong like Indy did? And then, wow. I mean, you know, it's we, everybody makes the joke that it's every time you play Indy, it's, you're not, it's not you versus Indy. It's you versus Tyler Pasher and maybe a few other people. <laughs> but I think that's the exact right concept. When you think about that, what you're really talking about an extremely simple deep and then drop their two wing backs so that it's really a bank of five in the back you're going to get shake one loose where if you're doing that at the beginning of the season before other 
school into the season, every team in the league had caught up to that, and Tyler Pasher was out on an island and not as successful. Yep. They mastered a more complex system. Out of this team, as I always end up doing by the end of the year. So, well, I, I want to think what people have got to realize, too, is that, you know, that the season isn't won and lost in, in the first two or three games. You know, you've got to pace yourself throughout the whole season. And um, the one thing that uh, I'm really impressed with as the season's gone along is how um, Louisville City have gone from strength to strength. They haven't gone from um, one game to the next game worse than the previous game. Every single game, they've got better and better and better. And then you can see as the games were going on, that the confidence in the, the, the squad was, was growing um, as they were playing. And it got to the point where I don't think anybody wants to play us because the confidence is high in the team. They know exactly what they're doing on the, the pitch. And um, I think Louisville have gone from strength to strength. And those guys who are calling for Hack's head after the second loss at, um, at Lynn Family Stadium hope they're eating crow right now because um, – Hey, just be patient. You know the game. The games are not won and lost, and that the champions not won and lost in the first two or three games. So, so Devin, on that point, it was something I kind of put in our notes, but you went to it straight away uh, about the call that you were on with Hack. Like watching Devin in the last few games, he is really just strolling around the midfield, just turning the ball over from left to right, just ticking it, making it go left to right. That looks more like the team that we're used to seeing for Louisville. It takes a while to mature that opens up spaces through patient play, not route one football, that's easy to have success with in the early stages with speed. Yeah, so there are a couple schools of thought. I'm going to kind of tie everything you guys said with combined with your statement just right there. Understand this first and foremost. Totally agree with the people that are home and say, sack hack, you're out of your mind. I would use a lot of alternate words that profanity <laughs> wouldn't be the right word because I'd probably be ridiculed because of it. But people that think that just don't understand the game and they don't understand the process. You guys hit the nail on the head. Also understand this. One of the reasons, which is a combination of James O'Connor's groundwork and the success that was there combined with John Hackworth taking the reins and making it his own, but still combining the gel and chemistry of the team that was prior is the fact that there are so many different looks. There are so many different angles, rotations, coverages, you know, positional movements that other teams don't do. The simplistic nature of Indy 11, although annoying at times, because it is the Tyler Pasture show, can also get it done in this league. Now, can it get it done regularly against Louisville City? Statics, or excuse me, <laughs> stats show no, obviously, but it does against other teams. It takes a team like Louisville City. It takes a team like Pittsburgh Browns to understand, and Pittsburgh lost to them twice. Right. Pittsburgh outplayed them beyond belief twice. Once, they were 10 men with 45 minutes to go and still couldn't score a goal. But there are plenty of teams around this league that they have one option and one option only, possibly a second. Not everybody has three, four, or five. I mean, it's same thing in the Western Conference as well, by the way. That's why Pittsburgh's so dangerous this year. This year, Pittsburgh Riverhounds are the most dangerous team they have ever had, and it's the most dangerous team Bob Lilly has ever had which is why it's the best round matchup in, in the first round that you're going to get. It's scary. It, it truly is scary, the rotation between both teams. In terms of Speedy, it has become this role that I don't think people from the outside, unless you're a Louisville fan and you've understood what he did prior and the role that he's fulfilling now, who's been there before, I don't think people understand what he's entrusted with. And it's this glue that is box to box is a very common phrase nowadays. And I don't want to use that because he does so much more. It's can he get involved in set pieces? What can he do on the short corners? Which for my my money, and I've said this before, that set pieces by Louisville City and the league are probably the best. Um, but if, if, if you watch him, it's don't ever watch the play. Just watch him. Watch his body positioning. Watch his face. He's yeah. turning, looking left and right, three, four passes before so that the movement is seamless. It's not Sometimes it's not even one touch and then go. The ball just goes. The biggest difference in terms of shape from what I see from this team compared to, especially last year, is that six role was filled by so many different players. You know, you guys talked about Paolo yeah. playing a higher role. He played in that role. Sean Tosh last year played that role, of course, as well. Is that role last year, there was more responsibility defensively. 
And I'm not saying that Speedy doesn't cover that area. He does, for sure. But if you watch the way the back line pivots, they are much more willing, especially on Oscar's side, to send him and rotate in that back four into a back three and not make Speedy Williams cover. Where in years prior, even at the beginning of the year sometimes, but especially last year and in 2018, that became a separation of the center backs. You pinch the outside backs high and you dropped your six down in. That's not the case anymore. Ergo, you get more numbers forward. The balance still remains there because pretty much every person on this team, whether it be last year or 2018, understands what it's like to play a three-back. They get it, you know, incrementally here and there. But that's why Speedy has been so successful because he doesn't have to track back all the way defensively. So he's given carte blanche, if you will, in the midfield. You know, little balls into him, spray it left and right. But when if Paulo wants to sit a little, not deep, but if Paulo wants to hold... You know, you now have that luxury of two number sixes that understand each other. And if Corbin stretches really high, Speedy can step in behind. More often than not, you're seeing Paolo go that route. But it's this beautiful chemistry in the midfield three that, to be honest, I see out of Pittsburgh. It's a different look, but I see it out of the Riverhounds. I see it in the Western Conference between two teams. But outside of that, it doesn't exist. And it's not something that happens overnight. I think fans should really understand the greatness that they witness when you see all of this rotation that does start with Speedy Williams. Yeah. And I, I, that's awesome analysis. And that's something that uh, Andy and I have lacked for the last two and a half years. Uh, but besides, <laughs> I wouldn't say lack. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the that worst was... analysis. Come on. I feel like, I feel like you said, though, uh, is also a big part of what has made. I am not on an iPhone. I'm on a Droid. Uh, it's worked fine on everything but Microsoft Teams, Kenny. You're good. You're oh. rolling again. Now that you uh, said the blasphemous word. Uh, what I was trying to say is it's a huge difference for the back line. That uh, I feel like once we found the four that have been the, the predominant starters during this stretch run, specifically for Sean Tosh, who's had his best season in a Lucidity uniform, I think that having that trust with Speedy in front of him has been a huge part of that, where it allows Sean to be able to drop deeper and then also move forward, move forward farther when he just carry the ball. It's just that complete faith that hey, if things go bad, I'll just give it to Speedy and he'll figure it out. If I get up here and I'm dust, and uh, if I drop too deep, Speedy will intercept the guy in front of me. It, it, I think that his faith in Speedy Williams has made Sean Tosh a much better player this year than any previous year. And the fact that Pat, McMahon, uh, Sean Tosh, and Alexi Swahi all play pretty well in a three-back system anyway is also what lets Oscar move so far up the field. It, it's, man, it's a lot of interchangeable pieces, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, I remember, and uh, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, we've talked about it a couple times on a broadcast, but... Um, literally the day after the 2018 final, after you guys won, James O'Connor was on his way to meet Pat McMahon. He said that was his number one priority to go get him. And I think that gives you an idea of what he saw in him and what he's capable of. In terms of that relationship with, with Tosh and, and Lexi, I think I'm actually quite surprised in terms of Lexi, not because of his talent, but because I think, like, like most other people, you know, we thought that was going to be Jimmy Offord. And at the beginning of the season, it was. And a combination of things not panning out for Jimmy, there were rumors, whether true or not, that maybe he picked up a couple knocks and messed with his confidence. I mean, you're looking at a guy that was basically a starter from the time they came into the league. And that's frustrating for a player, myself included. Like, I've been there. I I picked up an injury, had to sit and gone. You know, that's not like Evan's microphone. Mine actually works. I just chose not to say it. Oh. But... Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, you know, I think that understand that the way that the back four works with Oscar, Oscar is an anomaly in this league. Like, I'm making on the offensive side of the ball, but it kind of reminds me of Solomon Asante from Phoenix Rising. And the reason I say that, and funny because it's left and right, is because he challenges you so much from a positional standpoint. Whether you're a midfielder, an outside midfielder, or an outside back, that you constantly have to check where his where his rotation is going to be into. He can invert himself. He gets into overlapping runs. He's the late runner on the back post. He's the one that's the far runner initially, and you hit that 40-yard ball from Antoine Openo on the right-hand side. So you find a way to get him involved. He does that on his own, though. So it's become yeah. this pivot where you just rotate the three. What that does in terms of formation from the opposition is 
you now have to second guess, do I stay? Do I go? If I'm playing outside mid, do I then challenge the space behind him and expect that my, my outside back is going to win the one-on-one because he's got coverage with the center back? We've seen how that's gone. More often than not, it's more positive than negative. Yeah. Lexi Swahi, I talked about. For Sean Tosh, I would agree. My counter-argument that to, would be that he's never been given the luxury of regularly having one position. He, yeah. he just sits there, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. I think there's, some, there's something about that. So we talked about this in the podcast. It didn't happen last week. It really happened. But it's like if you didn't you know, show the photo of what you ate last night on social media, it never happened. So the podcast never happened. We talked about this. Is now with Paco gone, there's that challenge, right? Because if you go back to the indie game, it became Paco versus Pasher at the, yeah. in the last 20 minutes, didn't it? It was who could run faster. So it was almost like a 1-1-5-4. So with Paco being gone now, it's allowed – and forced Sean to be in that limelight, and Alexi didn't have a choice but to learn how to play on his left foot a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, sometimes I think I think that's what it takes is uh, for somebody like uh, Paco Craig to leave for, for those guys to um, to grow in themselves and start trusting in themselves because they don't have uh, Paco Craig to fall back on anymore. Now they've got to uh, step up to the plate and show what they're made of. And I'm so glad that, you know, um, Sean Tosh and uh, Pat McMahon and Alexis Swari have all done that, you know. And um, I know they, uh, they all took some stick at the beginning of the season, but um, I don't think there's a better back four in the, uh, the USL right now than the one that we have. Also, I also kind of think, though, that this is one of the, I mean, you know, I'm biased, <laughs> rose-colored glasses for sure, but. I also think it kind of, that kind of highlights one of the unique things about this team is that it's one thing you can have a team full of good players and not have a good team, right? There's a difference, right? It's the, it's the sum and the, the parts of the hold and all that, right? I think it really kind of showcases this team's ability to do things like step into shoes that a lot of people may have considered unfillable. I mean, when Paco left, it was there were a lot of grumblings of like, well, what do we do now? I mean, Paco's gone, right? Like, what's the back line do now? I think Sean and Alexi have kind of stepped up, and it really shows not just the depth, but the quality of our players being able to fill that role together. I have a question for you guys. No. Yep, that's how this is going to work. <laughs> this is what happens. See, I, you know, I, I, by the way, so just to give you an idea of my day on the run-in, which is where my mind's going right now, had my kid alone all day. Still got him. He's in the other room. Good for him. <laughs> had a beer to like take him on a walk at like five thirty Eastern time. Had a little had a little two three ounce pour of wine, and I was like, well, obviously it's it's time for water. And so get that involved. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, is the 2018 better or worse than this team? In your guys' opinion. A lot of similarities, of course. A lot of really similar names, but so there are differences. I'll go first. And the thing that I see is the more interchangeable parts on the front three. And Cam, I felt like Cam was alone in 2018. And although he's scoring the goals that matches that and the contract that he got with Nashville and MLS, and thank God he's back. But it feels like there are more opportunities for different angles of attack. And I like interchangeable parts. So what if I put him head to head in FIFA, I'm not sure who would win in a one off, but I think over a hundred times this team, I don't know if they have quite the same unity, but they're really, really close and they have a better system. It feels like to attack teams in weaknesses that we wouldn't have shown in 2018 out of other teams. That is such a fun question. Uh, I, I love that question because I think you're right. There are a lot of the similar pieces. I think one thing we didn't have in that 2018 team, uh, I am on record as being one of George Davis IV's all-time biggest fans. I love that man, and I'm a huge fan of his play, especially in his earlier days. Antoine Hopeno adds a dimension we didn't have in 2018. Uh, it was Brian Hopeno that you could overload his side of the, I mean, it was Brian Ownby and you could overload his side of the field to sort of negate some of that speed. And then that's what left Cam sort of on an island like Kenny was talking about. Right. Have either Napo Mitsoso or 
Antoine Hopeno or Brian Ownby, all three be able to stretch the field so much, just leaves so much extra room in the middle of the field. And so uh, I think Corbin Bones filling that Niall McCabe role from that 2018 team and is doing it really well. Uh, but I think that I think that this team is, like Kenny says, more multidimensional, but I think maybe not as fundamentally solid as that team was. I think that 2018 team, it just by the end of the season, they didn't make mistakes ever, like ever. You just felt completely confident. We might give up a goal if they do something awesome. But you just never had to think, oh, gosh, two mental errors and we're going to give up two or three goals. And uh, you do still have that little fear in the back of your head with this team, even though we haven't given up two goals in two months. But I still have that bit of fear in the back of my head that against the right team, something could go wrong. In 2018, I did not think anything could go wrong. One quick follow up on that. In the final, let's assume Cam is still out. In your mind, how different is that game if Chris Cortez is playing? Honestly, not that different. Not, I, I honestly, I just think that that back line at that point was so solid and knew each other so well that I think that, I mean, what did. You're still looking at a dangerous team. I don't think that he was enough of an individual creator. You're, the creation was still coming from elsewhere. Cortez is a great goal scorer, but it's not like they missed a bunch of chances to score goals. They didn't have the chances. And so I don't, I'm don't. i not sure how different that game looks if you put him up top instead of – I can't remember if it was Jason Johnson who started that game up top for them. Kevon Frater. Kevon Frater. Yeah, it was Frater. I'm, Go figure. I don't, Frater having a bunch of chances and not finishing. And uh, I don't remember Chris Cortez being just like an unbelievable chance creator. So to me, I, I'm not I'm not convinced it would have been that different. Fair enough. Hmm? I got that got too dark for me. Andy, Scouse, y'all got anything on that? I'm like, man, I've got all these happy spots right here. And Devin's like, I don't, oh, I don't remember <laughs> specifics like that enough to have a valid opinion. Like I don't, it, my brain doesn't work that way. Kenny, I know you've probably got some directions you want to go, but while we have still got uh, Devin, I, I have got a question I want to know about this game against Pittsburgh. I'm yeah, really brother. I'm really curious. Is it going to be Mensa and Dos Santos starting both of them up top in this game? And if so, how does a two-striker system like that change? We've been facing a lot of one-striker systems all season by virtue of the pods. Uh, how different of a of a look is that for Lou City having to go up against that? And what challenges does that present our back line? It's a really good question. So I think you have to start with dissecting the first part, the two-striker system. Though you're not wrong, they're two strikers. The way that Bob tends to use them, more often than not, it's usually like 80-20, 80 in favor of what I'm going to say is he doesn't leave Dos Santos high. He actually drops him down into the pocket, and, and he'll drop him down into the midfield. And to me, it's more of what they try to do in the midfield that affects their play going forward than it does the two boys up top. So if it's Mensa and Dos Santos, and Dos Santos drops in, the question is, is if it's Forbes, which it usually is, and now that he's back, he's probably going to be there, and you have Robbie Mertz, who's the third? And the third affects what that shape looks like. They can turn that shape into a cube, where it's literally like this square, at which point in time, it turns it into a 3-6-1. They overload the midfield. And what they do is they drop one on the bottom, three in front when they move forward. So you always have one holding, but it gives you three different options to peel off of in the midfield. And then you have two wingbacks as well, plus the ball over the top to Mensa. And Mensa is a holdup player. Mensa's not a ball you're going to ping down into the corner and he's going to run you down like Cam does, right? Or, or like a lot of other forwards, a Tyler Pasher. He doesn't want to run onto it. He wants to hold it up, get in a combination play, and then knock it in that way. Defensively is when it gets scary as well when that the cube comes out. And that kind of happens offensively, but they, they, they pop like this in a, little, in a little period. So you think you're breaking lines, but you're not because it's two little lines here, and you still have the pieces on the outside. You've still got the three on the back, and you've still got one checking on top. I would imagine that with his relationship with Dos Santos, it's probably going to be that because he respects him and he's been around him so often and he's got a massive amount of trust. Um, you know, we're doing a couple previews, match previews for three on the slides. And I talked to Bob about it and I said, you know, off air, I was like, what are you guys going to do? 
Bob has a tendency to overthink things, and he's admitted that. And I brought it out, and I just said, listen, you know, Bob, how deep into this are you? Are, are you going past the point of no return? And he said, I can't afford the luxury to not overthink things because of who the coach is on the other side of the ball. And, and mind you, this was on the unrecorded part. And he said that he's, he's such a tactician, I have to be out in front of it because if I start having to respond, I'm in trouble. And I guarantee you John Hackworth would say the same thing. So I would imagine that it's going to be Dos Santos, it's going to be Mensa. In terms of how that affects the back line, not overly concerned because I think that actually benefits Lucidity a bit more because it whether it's four or if you have three because you rotated one out, that's where Speedy comes in that we just talked about, right? He's not dropping in deep between everybody. He's the pivot in front, and he's the single pivot so that you can get help from a midfield standpoint and, and you get help on the wing still. That relationship is already there in the middle. My concern actually lies on when they have the ball and they rotate multiple pieces to one side. What does that look like if they're going after Oscar Jimenez, the side who was already pushed up high? Because now you've got the pivot we just talked about, but the midfield starts to come too, and that overload is four or five pieces taking on three from Lou City, and their back post runs are some of the best in the game. They get late runs from Jordan Dover, Ryan James. That's where I become more concerned outside of the, the, the forward thing, because I think the forward thing is actually an easy pickup for Lou City. Andy, did you have something there? It looked like you were at a deep thought. No, my back hurts. Your back hurts. I was enthralled with Devin's analysis. You like, you like leaned in, and I was like, whoa, here's, here's a big Andy moment. It's coming in. started doing the cube thing, I was like, is this math? What do you do? What are, what are we doing here? What, what? <laughs> no, I think we talked about I it on here. I can't add. Wish, here's the thing. <laughs> I wish when you're calling games, we could have what we have now is, is like on the team. <laughs> box with your face in it and you could be doing all this stuff like i feel like i feel like viewership would just skyrocket yeah <laughs> you should talk to talk to my director and producer about that i get yelled at all the time they're like stop telling me what to look for i don't understand you straighter <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah so two things i want to hit on here real quick uh because i don't know how much longer we have devin but uh evan you're an employee of Lowell city i want to make sure that gets announced right now and how's that uh, yeah, uh, just as a heads up, I am an employee of Louisville City Football Club, so all opinions that I share are my opinions alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions, thoughts, or concerns of any of Louisville City's other employees, the company at large, Soccer Holdings LLC, Racing Louisville LLC, any of our sponsors or affiliates. Just me. Just a heads up on that. And then we also do something before I'm going to hand it over and tee it up to Devin for one more thing. We'll see how far it goes with this. But we do a thing we call about purple stuff here. So Andy, you I mean you're the you have like a degree like in wine or something, don't you? You're like a winologist or what is it? Uh all right, you ready for it? I am. This is this is this is a legit complete list of everything that I've got. I am a W set level two. That's the Wine Spirits Education Trust level two. I'm a certified specialist of spirits. I'm a certified specialist of wine, and I am in fact a certified psalm. Ooh. So we have a thing that we do here and we talk about the purple stuff. So I think it's about time for some purple stuff. Devin, thanks for coming on and we'll see how long you can stay around, buddy. Cheers. Mm -hmm. since so, we're, uh, real quick, since we're talking about that stuff, I might as well give you a little tour. So Hack was kind enough to give us a gift last year. Aww. We'll bring you into the uh, bring you into the bar. Oh, here we um, go. Saying, hang on, Hack was kind enough. He gave us a gift last year. Obviously, I wish it was under better circumstances, but he was kind enough to grace a few of us with a, a little quarter oak reserve. Oh, there, there, you, go. Go. Uh -huh. Dude, there you go. And then is legit. that quarter oak is slept Look at the on. back. It's awesome. There you go. Yeah, Evan's got one. Right, That's hey, cool. Man. I'm an employee of the team, Devin. They handed yeah. them out. Good. I got I got something you don't have, by the way, and this is by I, I understand it was a loss, and I'm walking into the baby's nursery, so I apologize for screaming. I got something you don't have. This is a prized possession that, again, it's coupled with a loss, but it was an awesome experience. This is straight from the factory. Let's see if you can check this out. Did you get a sword? No, it's not a sword. Not a sword. Randy Jackson wouldn't sign it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whoa, oh, there you go. 
Check that out. That's that, cool. I, that's high praise right there. I don't oh, have. Get... That is cool, man. I wish yeah, it had gone. Better, going but, on uh, I mean, still like it. There, true, true story. It's probably. It's actually, I can tell you for a fact, it's only the second time in the history of travel for work that I've ever checked a bag. Oh, <laughs> and I, I checked that bat. I checked the bat. The, the, other, the other time was, uh, it was a crazy, crazy trip between USL and college and two college games. It was pretty nuts. But uh, yeah. All right. So I got, I got five minutes. Let's talk. What do we, what do we got? What do we want to cover? Five minutes. Sorry. Right. I got to take care of that little one who's screaming in the other room. You're good. So you've been too gracious question so wait a minute you've been too gracious with your time and i had this in the notes i want to make sure we get the plug for the three on slides so give that to us real quick and i'll have the link inside this podcast yeah very kind um you know we we host a show just like you guys do and we cover the, the beautiful game usl championship is probably about 70 percent of our content you can find us at three on slides facebook at three on slides youtube i don't know the link it's too long just go click it you'll find it and uh want to make the world a better place one bourbon at a time right no we're talking Absolutely. Right, thanks for question. Round the house, boys. What you got? We got five minutes. Can I call into your show? Please, you can call in. I'll have you on as the featured <laughs> guest. You can talk the entire time. Dude, you can take the mic from me because nobody wants to listen to me anymore. I can tell you that. <laughs> you can, you can oh, fight with Mike Watts. Sir. Devin, the last time that um, that you were speaking to uh, the coach on your, your show and you had yourself and Mike and the coach. So yeah. you... Ask the coach a question, and I'm going to pose the same question to you. If you have to change three things in the league, what would it be? Wow. Hot take. I like this. Shit, I'm out of bourbon. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you one thing that I would 100% change is I would find a way to incorporate, whether it be an interleague tournament or, or a game here and there, I want to see the East and West during the season. That's important to me. You have to find a way to do it. It's different styles. Coaches recognize it. Fans recognize it. Interesting enough, 2020 is the only year that I've actually seen more interaction from fans on the East and West. Probably because of the way the windows pan out, but that's the number one. Um, number two, I want to see FIFA and CONCACAF recognize the USL and give them an opportunity to play into a Champions League. I don't care if they put them into, excuse me, if they put them into CONCACAF League qualifying. If the Canadian Premier League get a spot, USL Championship should get a spot. That makes no sense to me because most of the teams in the USL Championship would smoke those teams. I can tell you from the eye test. Most of the players that are up there had a chance here and either A, for financial or whatever reasons it didn't work out, or B, they weren't good enough. That's, That's number two. Shout. That's a great shout. Number three. Wow. I think it's already in the works. And I'll tell you this much. A lot of people that I've spoken to that are within the United States, and I'm giving you a little little idea of where I'm going there, guys that have far exceeded me in terms of playing and coaching and anything would probably disagree with me, or at least they have disagreed with me. I still think that ProRel is the way to go in the United States. I know people may not agree with me, but I would change that. USL already has that in the works. Coming from someone who played in Germany and the way that the structure worked there, and it's different in every country, of course, but there are a lot of similarities. It's simple enough to me, like, look, if you want to get better, invest, you know, invest more money. And that can be in the resources in your stadium. That can be for coaching. That can be academy players. That can be players in general. If you're not getting the results, there's a reason for that. Sometimes they're intertwined. Sometimes it's one. Sometimes it's nothing. And you're just, you have lady luck that's not on your side. But when I was in Germany, you know, our team had won the Regionalliga and we couldn't move up into third division because why? Because we didn't have enough of a structure. We didn't have enough fans. Our stadium didn't come to code. That goes around in a lot of places. And that's simple. If you're that good and you deserve it, you'll do it again. Look at Leeds. Look how long Leeds have been trying to get into the Prem. And for whatever reason, understand that's mostly results. They haven't been able to get in. They have the structure there, though. And sometimes it just takes results. That's what they needed. The structure was already there from a stadium standpoint. In the USL and then in the United States, I truly believe that if people understand, you don't need 60,000 seat stadiums. If you're renting and that's how it works out and you're Nashville playing at Nissan or however that works out for anyone, that's fine. But you can be a team that has a 5, 10, 
15,000-seat stadium. Obviously, Louisville City knows what that means. You can get in there, set the right precedent, and if for any reason things go negative and you have to drop down, you'll find a way to get back up. And if you are or little and you have to add on to your stadium, you have to add on to your structure from an academy standpoint, you need to invest more from a coaching standpoint or players, you can do that as well. There is a drive and a passion that people do not understand in this country. Everybody talks about major media markets. You can be a major market without being a media market. Trust me. Every other country in the world has it except the United States. It's time to put up or shut up. And from a developmental standpoint, it will never happen. We will never go to that next level until we make these kids want for it. My final closing thought will be this. Tab Ramos, John Hackworth, um, Tim Howard, three massive names in this community. All of them have said to me, either on recorded calls, either on the podcast, or in private conversations, that in order for us to take the next step, these kids need to know what it means to win. We are starting to develop drones. Really good ones, by the way. But if you look at the successful ones that are starting to get in success elsewhere, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, they haven't been in an academy system and they haven't been there for a while, and there's a reason for that. Because they moved beyond what the structure provided them and they had to get better. They evolved somewhere else. The country needs to evolve. Oh, Amen. Damn, yeah. very Success good. has to be rewarded, and um, failure has consequences. Oh, I love it! There it oh, is. Oh, I love it! Oh, I love it! Evan, eat that. Eat it. Love it. <laughs> Fine, oh, boys. So, uh, Devin, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Okay. Yeah. Did you remember your lightning round that you do on your show? Yeah. Let's You're go. Okay. <laughs> okay. One of the ladies here at the hotel wants to know in your announcing. Can't hear. Say it again. <laughs> Are you an any or an outie? On the belly button? No. Your belly oh, button is it an any or an outie? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, it's an any. Okay. <laughs> All right. Grass or turf? Grass. All day. Okay. Camp New or Anfield? Anfield, let's go. Come on. Out of boy, out of boy. On your meatloaf, you put ketchup on it or gravy. I'm from the Midwest, man. Gravy, come on. Great. Okay, thank you very much. On your steak, <laughs> do you have it medium rare or do you have it well done? Medium rare. Well done for idiots. Let's go. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Vehicle wise, right? Are you an SUV truck kind of guy? Or kind of roadster kind of i've driven a dodge ram multiple dodge rams since the age of 18 i still got one okay all right tim howard or brad friedel tim howard okay all right that's all i got for you tim howard man he's a good guy prediction for Saturday, or oh. is that not allowed <laughs> Uh, I can I can make a score prediction. Um, feel like I'm gonna lose lose no matter what. I, I find it hard pressed that Pittsburgh's gonna stay off the board, um, given everything that they've been through and everything they're capable of. I'll make it fun. One one. You guys decide the rest. You guys go figure it out. One one. Thanks, boys. <laughs> I got to go, boys. Cheers. Devin, Thank you for having me on. See you, brother. Have a walk well, my friend. Yeah, right, that boys, was fun. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, cool to talk with Devin. Devin, you know, has been a friend of um, all of us that are really supporters for quite a while. Uh, you know, he's incredibly active on, on Twitter. We have a ton of Twitter people out there. Engage with the guy on there. He'll, he'll, he'll get in there with you and tell you the yes. truth. Voice of passion. He's not afraid to tell you what he thinks. And the guy knows the game like on a his analysis. I know I even saw like Evan a couple of times. His eyes just kind of like looked to the side. He's like, oh, my gosh, he's breaking this thing down three and four deep in midfield on Pittsburgh. And I haven't thought about an overload. And Evan, I think, is, is probably as big of a nerd as we have on here about that stuff. Yeah, I really enjoy digging as deep as possible. And uh, that was that was going that was talking in a language beyond my beyond my ken, I'll say. I, I appreciated getting to hear uh, somebody who does it for a living who really pays attention to it uh, 
telling us what to expect and uh, what the problems that we might face with Pittsburgh are. I thought that was great. Let's just get get straight to it as far as, you know, do we have any Scouse House notes, Scouse? Um, I didn't have anything, but I didn't know if you did. No, I, I think we had uh, yeah, everybody at uh, the game on Saturday. We all had a pretty good time. I was expecting us to uh, score at least a couple of goals down at the Scouse's house end, but um, we just weren't able to suck that ball into the net um, on Saturday. But um, I'm glad we... Um, we got uh, the two goals in the first half, and I was just really disappointed that we gave up a stupid goal um, and gave them um, a lifeline. So, um, you know, hopefully that uh, coming up on Saturday, um, I'm praying for a clean sheet. What about you, Andy? Uh, as far as the prediction goes? Yeah. I think uh, we're going to win. I think we win. I, I think bet, we win. You know what? This is what I'll say. <clears throat> I bet um, I'm going to call a 2-1 victory for us. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we score early and just, like, run a play. Um, I think they get one right before – I think they answer right before half. And then I think we come out and we get – I bet we get something off a set piece. I yeah. think the stakes are that high. And if, you know, I feel like if our history has shown us anything, we are a different animal when we're in the playoffs. Like, and, and the thing is, I think every, every fan of any team in the East would agree with us. Like Louisville City, it's just a different animal in the playoffs. No one wants to play us because I think we rise to the pressure. And so I think we get a beautiful set piece from somebody in the second half, and that's it. There it is. It's my prediction. I, I, I like it. We're going to win, um, basically because um, the confidence of the team is so high. Um, and from what um, Devin was saying on there about uh, their midfield, you know, our uh, midfield, we're no slouches either. And um, I think that uh, Coach Hack is a pretty um, um, smart cookie himself. And I'm hoping that um, they've done their studying this week and um, taken a look exactly what those guys are up to. Yeah, I think I agree. And while I respect the hell out of Devin's analysis, my guess, I, I, I've got a weird feeling we're going to blow them out. I really do. Uh, I think I think that we're probably just really annoyed with how the first game against them went, and uh, I think that we're playing a lot better than they are right now. I don't think Canardo Forbes is a hundred percent, and without Canardo Forbes at a hundred percent, I think we boss the midfield in this game, and I think we win this game three or four to nothing. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I can see I'm hoping. Yeah, and they're hoping that uh, we have uh, a few of those games on the Scouts Camp so we can uh, throw it up on the website. So over the last six matches, going back to 2018, just to put a little salt in the water here, head-to-head, um, -head, Pittsburgh three wins, two draws, Louisville's had one win. You know which win that was? I mean, Lowe's last year's playoffs, wasn't it? Playoffs, playoffs baby. Playoffs. I might remember. Yeah, might remember that just a touch. Um, Pittsburgh does win about 75% of their way matches, but conversely, Louisville wins about 80% of their way matches. So I just want to dampen that stat just a touch there. And I do think the run of form is also something that always needs to be in play. But that can kind of get thrown out of the window in the playoffs. And, you know, when – Evan, you'll remember this better, but – Pitt went up early in that game, didn't they, against us last year in the playoffs? Yeah, they took the lead off of a Vanka Zeely uh, header off of a corner kick in like the 10th minute. Early. And we didn't equal – I think it was the 11th minute, actually. And we didn't uh, equalize until Luke got one in like the 55th, right. something like that, and then uh, held on until uh, they got worn down by the end of that game. And uh, Paolo heads home the winner for us in the 118th. <laughs> it was almost like a header chip. Also, I remember about that game, too, that I think we'll probably see in this game. And, you know, as close as we are now on the pitch, sitting there in Scouse House, we're, we can almost play keeper. Um, 
that game got very chippy. Very uh, there, there could have been two, three, four red cards. I think in the last thirty minutes of that game. So I'm expecting some of that heat coming in there with them losing at home last year. I think that was their first loss at home too, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So as far as prediction for me, man, I, I, I'm I'm hoping for one nil, uh, but I. I do think they're hard to keep them from scoring right now. So it, a lot's going to rely on Tosh and with Alexi in the back. Um, hopefully we can play a lot of through balls, a lot of over-the-top balls with Hope. Ownby running on to and play it back to the middle to Cam for one of those little sliding kick-in that he likes to do at the top of the box that are kind of fun to watch. Well, that's part of the question that I'm going to have is I'm curious whether or not Napo Mitsoso is going to be fully fit for this game. I think he changes the dimensions of things for us a little bit if it's him as opposed to Ownby out on the right flank. And so that'll be an interesting tactical thing to watch for. And uh, besides that, I just think the team's playing so well. They're full of confidence. They're feeling good. And uh, I, I, I imagine we're going to enjoy watching this game. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I agree it'll probably get chippy, but that's just the nature of playoff soccer. And uh, that can be fun sometimes. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, I think uh, this has been a this has a, been a very uh, heavily packed episode here. That's been good that we needed to have here for this uh, little handoff show. Evan and Andy can't thank you enough for all the work you did. Uh, I want to touch on a couple of things before we sign off that we we talked about in the last podcast. But <clears throat> three years ago, we had our Scouts House AGM, and there were two contentious points. The one was where we're going to have a website, and the second was where we're going to have a podcast. Evan said, I'm going to have a podcast with or without you. And we're like, I, was, well, I would like for you to be with us rather than not with us. So, Evan, tell me a little about the maturation of that and what that's done for you and Andy and being able to, you know, the friendship that you guys have and being able to, you know, just expand the game and your new role with, you, you know, Louisville City. Well, I mean, I just think that it's uh, – I can't thank enough Scouse's House and uh, all of the, the people who made Scouse's House a reality – it's given me friends for life, which I'll appreciate forever. It's given me uh, the career of my choice. I would never be in the position I am now working with the team if it hadn't been for Scouse's House and this podcast. I knew I was getting more and more interested in the team, and I went from being a passionate fan to being a uh, freakishly passionate fan after the 17 championship and knew I had to uh, to expand that in some way. And I, So I was ready to do the pod. And I thought there was nobody that I would trust more to do that with me, somebody that I knew I would enjoy talking to for an hour a week, which I honestly think is the biggest part of a podcast to me, is uh, you got to find somebody that you want to talk to for an hour a week. And uh, so uh, while I knew Andy wasn't a huge fan, I knew he'd be fun for the podcast. I mean, he wasn't a huge soccer fan yet. Uh, I knew he'd be fun for the podcast. And I knew that it would be a fun conversation for me week on week. And I think that he grew as a soccer fan, as a knowledgeable soccer pundit. And uh, Scouse's House gave us the opportunity to grow in that way. And it's changed my life for the better. And so I'll always be thankful. And I enjoyed all 99 episodes. So, Andy, tell us um, a little bit about, because uh, I know um, from what uh, Evan is saying, you're kind of a um, soccer virgin when you uh, first yeah. started coming to the games. And now we were five years on and you're being a host of a um, soccer podcast. So tell me uh, what that learning curve was like. Um, Steve, it, <laughs> no, I, um, when Evan asked me, you know, when Louisville got a team, I was like, we're getting a what? And they were like, yeah, we're getting a soccer, Louisville's getting a soccer team, a professional soccer team. And I was like, why? I mean, we've got, I was like a lot of people. It was like, but we have, you know, Louisville basketball, we have Kentucky basketball, we've got Louisville football, we have Kentucky football. And so Evan dragged me to one of the games he was like dude just come to a game with me just come and the the environment it was just un, it was just like you couldn't fathom the amount of passion that you could just feel like to me it was like wait this isn't like going because i've been to uofl basketball games i've been to uofl football games it was like this isn't like that this isn't like that at all why are these people so 
And then we scored a goal, and I and like I found myself like going nuts with everybody else, and I was like, "This is why, this like I get it. It's starting to click for me." And so you start going to more games, start following a team, and then one day, Evan comes to me and says, "Hey man, uh, I'm going to do a podcast for Scouts' House," and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I want you to do it with me," and I was like, "What?" Why? I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about soccer. And he said, man, that's kind of the point. Like, that's the dynamic is that you have Evan, who's so knowledgeable about it, who like knows stats, like is like that's how his brain works, right? And you have me, who's just a casual fan. And so you had this dichotomy of hardcore soccer person, casual fan who's getting into the team, right? And that's what we started with. And it was going into it, it was like once you got past the pretense of, or for me, once I got past the pretense of, I should sound like I know what I'm talking about. It was like, you don't know what you're talking about, though. And like you said, that's the point. So once I got past that, it just became so easy to talk about. It became so easy to talk about from the casual fan's perspective. And then the more we did it and the more games I went to and the more people we talked to, like the first time we had the first player we had on Alexi, it was like, oh, wow, this is like we're talking to a soccer player. And we had more guys from the team on. We had the freaking mayor on. Like we had we had so many people on coaches. We had Brad on. It was it, it didn't feel like a learning curve at a certain point. Right. Like it doesn't feel like you're learning something if you want to learn more about it. You know what I mean? Like you just you just want it more. And so for me, it was, and then it was getting more involved in Scouse's house. It was, it was just like this amalgamation of things that became such a big part of my life. And so I have Evan to thank for it, for dragging me, kicking and screaming into it, which he has done several times in our lives. We've known each other for 20 years. Not at all. Um, you know, for better, or for worse, he's dragged me kicking and screaming to a lot of things. And, but this is one of the, you know, getting no scouse, getting no Kenny. It's like, I consider you all friends now. Like it's not the thing about supporters groups and why we all will always push. If you enjoy soccer, if you enjoy the city games, like join a supporters group, because those aren't just fans that you're standing with. Those are your friends that you're standing with. It, there's just something about soccer, and that's what sucked me into it. So, I have you all to thank for it. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> going forward, um, Scouts now be doing some different things. Um, you know, Evan challenged us a little bit today on Twitter, <clears throat> which I liked. I'm good with that. Um, so I think we'll try not to jump the shark and give every bit of information that we know already, but some interesting opportunities to talk to some different people and we'll be seeing those and um, next week we'll see one of those as well. So that's, that's to look forward to and a couple other things, but guys, if y'all had paved the way for us, there'd be no way for us to do this because we're a lot older than y'all and we don't have as much energy as you two. So <laughs> thanks for, for giving us this platform that you all built with blood, sweat, and tears. Um, we'll do our best. And, and the uh, other thing is, is um, whenever you guys feel like you want to come on and um, join us, you're more than welcome. You don't need an invite. You just say, hey, I want to do the next one, and we'll we'll make it happen. You know, I'll, you're be always on, I'll be on to bug the shit out of you guys. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. If not, I'll call you up. Thank you. And Evan, we, we'll be able to bring you on and start asking awkward questions of you since you are an official employee of Louisville City FC, and we can make it very weird. I can't wait. I, I look forward to dodging those questions with alacrity. But uh, <laughs> it, it's been, it's been uh, an important part of my life, and uh, I know that Andy and I are leaving it in good, solid, masculine, virile, powerful hands, and that's, uh, that's a nice feeling. All right, boys, so we've got uh, a big match. Out here is Saturday, 7.30, the Lynn Family Stadium. It looks like the temperature's going to be mid-70s, so that's prime weather for it's yelling. Be perfect. It's I mean, be perfect. It's perfect. Your vocal cords won't get messed up. They'll be very well oiled. 
to yell at the keepers, and that's what we're best at. Yeah, we're we going to scare the uh, the crap out of that uh, that goalkeeper, and um, hopefully Evan can join us down there for a little bit. And you can stand behind one of us and still do your heckling, and you won't get uh, recognized. Yeah, I'm trying to learn ventriloquism and all that. Once I've okay. got that down. <laughs> Evan, there's only way, one way to end this. Yeah, I only know one way to end the Loose City Scouts' House in the House podcast, and that's by saying a very calm but very happy uh, go, go, go City. city. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> oh, thanks, you idiots. Great job. Thanks, guys. Good night, gentlemen. Have a good night. See you. Cheers. Saturday.